Welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast, home of all things sports here in the Central Valley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench. Welcome back to the Off the Bench Podcast. Jason, how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well. Man, we got some big stuff going on. There's a lot, finally, you know, a lot of stuff going on in local sports. Yeah, who would ever thought that we would be talking about football, high school football, and high school baseball all being played at the same time. At the time. same time, yeah. Dude, I saw, I think it was Pagmeter posted a tweet the other day, a video, and he's like, only, only this year could you have this video, and he panned it from the baseball game over, and you could see football team practicing like 10 feet away. Crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, man, it's, there's so much going on right now. I just, every, every night it's like, all right, if you, you know, you got a free night where you want to go, you can pick a sport, go, go catch something. It's just, it's crazy. No. Yeah. It's just, uh, you have, right. You have the Fresno Easter classic for baseball starting up. Um, you have, you know, Friday night lights are back. It's, it's a crazy time. It's crazy, man. It's exciting. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff happening, man. They, uh, you mentioned the Easter classic. They had a big one, uh, Buchanan. Took down San Joaquin Memorial. That's a big, big game with two state ranked teams. So. Yeah, uh, definitely where San Joaquin Memorial was at last year. They were one of the top teams in the state of California. So to have that win, you know, those two teams that kind of start the baseball season off going at it. Yeah, I think they're both currently ranked in the top 15 in the state of California. So that's a huge deal. Buchanan gets the early season victory. And uh, who knows? They could, you know, maybe, maybe a future preview for the Valley Championship again. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Chris Patrick kind of started his era. Yeah. Clovis High started off with a win. Taking over with Clovis High over there. And yeah, I saw even his brother Kevin got a big win yep. at Clovis West with his, his son on the mound. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I bet that was cool. You know, start the season off with his freshman son getting the win on the mound. So that's always exciting. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, a team finally lost in the track in football. Dude, that was some run. Central hasn't lost in the track game in quite a while. But uh, they, were, they were taken down. Buchanan went out there and got him. Last second field goal, got the dub. Yeah, so that's, that's crazy. And then uh, Clovis East, Clovis West had a double overtime thriller where Clovis East was able to get that win. Double overtime. That was a crazy game. Yeah, and then, uh, right, we had uh, Hanford. There had a first-year head coach. He got his first win over Mission Oak. Yeah, got his first win. It's always cool to see. Yeah, I was actually on the sideline, too. I went over to uh, McLean, longtime friend of mine, uh, Kyle Thornton's, and it was his first night as a first night as a first time, you know, first time head coach for the McLean Highlanders. And they got a big win, 34-12 over Fresno High. So that was that was really cool for for me to go go out there and see that one personally. So well, that is cool. Yeah. And then I know uh, Roosevelt, I think they had a game winning touchdown at the end to beat Sunnyside as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of exciting um, I know Das Palace football, they got a win. So it's Clovis High beat uh, Madeira. Yeah, Clovis High stomped on my, <laughs> my Madeira Coyotes. It was, uh, I think, like 48 to nothing or something. So, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a blowout, man. But, yeah, no, and I know basketball season's starting up. Um, I, I believe April 6th, I believe Clovis West girls takes on Sanger. So that'll be, uh, I know that, so that's, you know, we, that's in, what, two weeks, so. Yeah, we got it's games. coming up, coming up quick. Yeah, so we have a lot of games coming up quick, and then also too, like this is what I'm probably closest to my heart is uh, special ed. We have sports starting up, uh, adaptive baseball league, uh, kind of going with a uh, Clovis Babe Ruth. 
Okay. So kids with, uh, who have, uh, developmental, physical, or intellectual disabilities, there's an opportunity for them to play. And if that's something, you know, people are interested that are listened to, you can kind of just register, uh, contact, uh, magic Fresno at gmail.com, or you can even uh, click on 2021 Bambinos in the uh, Clovis Bay Ruth. It's something that they collaborate with. And one of my students' fathers is kind of puts this league together and, you know, it's, thought that's exciting as well, man. Kids with, uh, people with, you know, intellectual disabilities, special needs people, they have a place and a platform to play as well. So sports just start starting up all together. All together, man. Everybody's getting a chance in the spring. It's, it's craziness. That's really cool. That's cool. I know there's a, there's a few different places in the Valley where they do le- special leagues like that. And, uh, it's always cool to see. I know they got a, out in Visalia, they got a really cool baseball field out there too. That's, that's all for disabilities and special needs and stuff. So yeah, it's good stuff. If you're interested in that, make sure you uh, hit up the, those contact information there. It's good stuff. All right. Well, we, uh, we did a little game last week, and you did pretty darn well. Uh, but I'm going to see if I can stump you again. So we got, I got some more dudes here, some more NBA players. And we're going to see, you know, just how much does Jason really know? Yeah, it's funny because I was talking with my buddy uh, Alex Giannetta, and we were just talking on the phone. and. I was just like, hey, man, hey, uh, Kent Bazemore, do you know where we went to school at? And he's like, yeah, ODU. Why? And I was like, yep. And then I had to explain the whole story. And he actually kind of helped me. He kind of went through some NBA rosters and was like, hey, do you know where this guy went or this guy? And I was like, no. So you've been studying. I've been studying up a little bit. <laughs> I have been. Well, again, we got, we got five new guys here. And, uh, you know, these dudes at least are all making, making some significant money. So I, maybe that'll help you out a little bit. Maybe some bigger names. Um, but, you know, I'm still trying to stump you a little bit. But who knows? Maybe you'll get them all. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll go over five. Who knows? Oh, God. So let's see here. Player number one. Okay. This man is in his eighth season. Mr. Otto Porter. Oh, Otto Porter Jr., who now plays for the Orlando Magic, just got traded. My man went to Georgetown. That's right. He was a Hoya. Yeah, Mr. Otto Porter. All right. Here we go. In his 13th season, we have Eric Gordon. Oh, Eric Gordon. Yes. Played for the Clippers, played for a lot of different teams. He actually played for the Hoosier State, Indiana. Indiana. There we go. Two for two. Okay. This is the one. Actually, there's two guys. Okay. Two guys here that are not Power Five. Oh, okay. This I'm going to give you a clue on this one. This is not a Power Five guy. Okay. In his fifth season, Fred Van Vliet. Oh, he actually, I actually watched Fred Van Vliet, a big uh, Shocker fan, Wichita State. Yes. Which, yes. Wichita undrafted. State. Undrafted. Just got paid by the Raptors too this season. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Let's see here. Number four, we have Paul Millsap. Ooh, the rebounding machine. Yeah. I actually think I actually saw him play live when he was at Louisiana Tech. There you go, yeah. I actually he think we... Played against Fresno State yeah. quite a bit, so. so. I might have actually seen him play. Yeah, that's a good one. And the last one here, you're four for four. Ooh. Number five here, we got KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Oh, my gosh, KCP. The man who played with the ankle monitor on. I'm going to be honest. I have absolutely no clue where... But I feel like Georgia... Is that your final answer? I'm going with Georgia. He was a Georgia Bulldog. Yes. (laughs) 
You went five for five and you were I about just, to give yeah, up. I was like, I don't really know. But then all of a sudden at the last second, Georgia popped in my mind. I was like, I don't know why Georgia was popping in my mind, but I'm going to go with Georgia. You were about to give up and then you got it somehow. <laughs> Dang it. I didn't get you this time. All right. Well done. Five for five. Oh, that brings you up to nine for 10 total. So it's not bad. It's not a bad percentage. You moved up from a B to an A. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, good stuff. And uh, yeah, we have. Our podcast today is Clovis West legend coach, Vance Walbert. I'm excited about this one, man. It, it's, you know, we, we, you grew up here in Fresno. There's a lot of, we got a, lo- a lot of local stars here, you know, people that we can talk to, but there's not many people that can claim, have the, you know, have the career that a guy like Vance Walberg has. This dude's been all over the place. Oh yeah. And created an offense that has taken the global world of basketball by storm. And you say that, but you're not, you're not exaggerating. I mean, the, the dribble drive offense has been, has gone everywhere. No. And right. He talks about Alabama head coach, Nate Oates, right. And how that is used. He was a high school coach and now, you know, he's taken Alabama to the two seed. They won the SEC conference and you know, they're competing for a championship, right? Like he talks about meeting John Calipari, how Calipari uses that in Memphis. He's a person that he talks about. He talks with weekly, you know, and going to meeting all these different coaches and, meaning George Carl and all these guys to help, you know, his career. And it's just, it's, it's a fascinating story. Fascinating, man. I mean, anytime you get the word, the name John Calipari brought in, my ears get turned up, right? I'm like, Oh, all right. I'm listening. So yeah, he's, uh, he's been around and coached with the who's who of the coaching world. And he's been there, seen it, done it all. So really cool conversation, getting to chat with him. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool storyline. Just, you know, his career, he goes, winds up at Clovis West and then, leaves goes on to bigger and better things and now he's back at clovis west and you know doing it on the back end so and and having success all the way through and trying to rebuild what he built once before (laughs) yeah he's uh, he he has the unfortunate problem of having to try to get back to what he established the first time so yeah um but we'll see it'll be fun to see if he can pull it off no yeah i totally agree yeah so anyways that's what we're gonna get to here we got coach vance Wahlberg, boys basketball out at clovis west so good stuff Jason, you ready for this one? We got a big one today. We do. Yeah, we got uh, Coach Vance Wahlberg over at Clovis West, boys basketball coach. How you doing today, Coach? I'm great, guys. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, we're going get, to get right into this thing. So, Coach, thank you, first of all, for coming on. You're welcome. Um, so, we kind of like, one thing we want to talk about is, you know, you're not technically from Fresno area as much as your fingerprints are all, all over the Fresno area basketball and the Central Valley basketball, but you're actually from the Bay Area, correct? Yes and no. I was oh. born in Queens, lived back east oh. my first 10 years, and then uh, grew up in the Bay Area. My dad moved from, uh, we lived in uh, Pennsylvania at the time, got a job at Ford Aerospace in Palo Alto, so we moved to the Bay Area. So I went to high school from fifth grade on, I, I was in from elementary to junior high to high school, and then dance at junior college, and then to Cal State Bakersfield. And then when I finished college, I went back and started coaching up in the Bay Area. Okay, let's talk about going back to uh, like your college playing days. I know like at De Anza, you guys won a couple of championships, right? 
we had uh, back then it's a lot different than it is now back then to qualify for the state championship you had to win your league and i think you know how tough the golden gate conference it was chabot laney back then actually had a team they were fantastic um san francisco west valley san jose city foothill us it was a tough league it was eight eight teams in there my freshman year we uh we ended up winning the league and then we lost to dennis johnson's team uh, Dennis DJ played for LA Harbor and my sophomore year we won the league again went back and we lost uh, we lost the over uh, we lost a regulation game to Santa Ana where I can remember we missed three straight one-on-ones uh, in the last two minutes of the game we ended up losing by one so oh. those were my two tough experiences in the state tournament back then oh that is tough um so why Cal State Bakersfield um, the reason I went to Cal State Bakersfield, when I was at Monte Vista High in Cupertino, um, I had a guard that was two years above me. His name was Mitch Platt. Mitch was kind of my hero growing up. He was two years above me. He played point guard. I played point guard. Um, when he graduated from Monte Vista, uh, he was a six, three and a half uh, point guard. He went to De Anza. I followed Mitch. One of my brothers played with him also. And then when Mitch followed, uh, finished from De Anza, he went down to Cal State Bakersfield. So I played two years at Monte Vista, two years at De Anza, and then I kind of followed Mitch down at Bakersfield. Um, it was just, honestly, for me, it was, uh, I had that, I had San Jose State, and actually, uh, believe it or not, Tony Otto was the one that recruited me at San Jose State, but they were only going to, back then, you could split scholarships. They were only going to offer me a half a ride in, you know, being home for 19 years, I wanted to get out. So I ended up going to Cal State Bakersfield. Okay. So do you think maybe they only offered you the half because you were like from the Bay Area? Is that kind of maybe the reason? Yeah, they or? said you can stay home and this and that. Um, and I was a tweener. I mean, now I would, you know, back then I was, you know, you know, Cal State Bakersfield's division. Now, back then there wasn't 340 or 350 division one schools. It was in the low or the high uh, hundreds. So there's not as many now. But, um, no, I was a player who played hard. Um, actually, I was a defensive player, captain, and all that. Uh, I could score, but I, I had more fun, you know, setting up teammates. And, you know, I just enjoyed uh, winning. So, I got to ask you a question, the coach. Who had a better jump shot, you or Jason? Oh, Jason by far. Okay. <laughs> I even close. Okay. Now, Coach, you're in. Uh, you're playing at Bakersfield. Did you ever imagine back then that you'd wind up spending so much time here in the Valley? No, honestly, I didn't. But what happened there, um, it got to the point, you know, I uh, met my wife at Cal State Bakersfield. Um, we met my first year there, and then she had two more years after I graduated. I went back to the Bay Area because she was getting her nursing degree and so forth. So I was, you know, we would drive, I would drive, Every two weeks, I would drive down there, and every two weeks, she'd come up my way for those two years. Um, so I made that drive down by quite a bit, seeing <laughs> her and so forth. But my, you know, when I went back to the Bay Area, um, you know, I just my whole goal was I wanted to just be a high school basketball coach. That's what I always wanted to be, and that's what I tried like heck to be. So how how quickly did you make that transition from playing at Bakersfield to getting into coaching? Well, within a summer, um, I graduated. I was graduated at 21. Um, when I was 21, I graduated from college. And that summer, um, Garces High School had a 
a varsity job open down in down in Bakersfield when I was there. So they said, hey, start your teaching credentials. So I went down to Cal Lutheran that summer. Um, I took four classes. I had 12 units. And my 30 for my degree, uh, for my teaching credential, I mean, I went from 8 to 10, 10 to 12, 12 to 2, and 2 to 4, uh, five days a week for, I think it was either eight or 10 weeks to get, get those classes. Wow. Finished that, came back, and then Garces actually hired one of, our, one of my teammates, Mark Brown. Um, so I ended up going, had to go back home because I didn't have any money. I lived with my parents, started my student teaching, and then after uh, about three and a half weeks of student teaching, a job opened up at Mountain View High School. This is the old Mountain View before they before they closed it and shut it down. And I kind of, that's how I got my start. Okay. And so, and then you were there for only a, like a year or two, correct? At Mountain View High School for two, uh, three years. Okay. And they closed the school and then uh, Mountain View, it was, there was a three, it was a three high school district, Mountain View, AWOL and Los Altos. And it was kind of a, a very unique district. It would be like Mountain View was kind of like what Pinedale is to us. Okay. Imagine Los Altos. I mean, you know, I think you went to Los Altos. It would be like Clovis North. Um, oh, wow. So you're talking about one side of the tracks to the other side of the track. So they closed Old Mountain View, which was downtown, and they renamed AWOL Mountain View. So it went from three three schools down to two and then I was lucky enough, I got the job at Los Altos High School. I was there for two years before I, you know, at that point, um, we had, I think, I don't know if we had, yeah, we had starts, had our fourth kid. Um, no, we had two kids. We had two kids at the time. And then um, what happened there is I actually got laid off uh, prop uh, from Prop 13 and, and a lot of that stuff came in and they end up. Uh, our school district cut PE from, uh, at the time it was three years, they cut it to two years. So I was the lowest PE teacher on the totem pole. So I was the one that was let go. There's a couple that were let go, but I was let go. The parents at Los Altos were awesome. Um, they actually got to the principal and said, hey, we'll pay his salary. Please keep them. Uh, but by that time, I already, um, at that time, I found a job at James Logan High School. Um, just, you know, obviously with two kids and another one on the way, I had to do something. Okay. And so after that, you end up going to Newark Memorial, right? Where you- I end- went to Logan for one year. And then, uh, and the reason I went there, I was going to help a uh, coach named Will Biggs. I was going to be his assistant. He, it was going to be his second year of coaching. Um, I was already a head coach at the time for four years. And I was going to be the badminton coach. And I was the PE department head at Logan. Because they they actually just dumped their whole PE staff. So after about three or four weeks, the basketball coach fired me. Uh, didn't want didn't want me to be there. It was a little, you know, just a different, you know. I think you know me a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't trying to rub on or anything, but I asked him one day. I still remember this. You know, do you have any film or any stuff I can look at from last year? I you know, opened up his desk, took a Manila folder and put it on my desk and said, here, here's what I got. It was an empty manila folder. Oh, wow. Uh, so little by little, I think, and at that time, believe it or not, actually Carol Williams gave me a call and asked if I could be a grad assistant at Santa Clara. And I tried to get out of my contract, but Logan wouldn't let me. So I was there for the year. And then you end up at Newark Memorial? Yep. Went to Newark Memorial. 
that job opened up, applied for that. I was lucky enough to get that. And that's obviously uh, my five, I had five really enjoyable years there. And I had the Amazon boys. I had Tony, uh, Tim my first year, he was his, uh, his senior. Tony was a freshman at that time. Ty was an eighth grader. So I had the opportunity to coach those three um, and a lot of other really good kids there. Who out of the three Amundsons, who gave you the most trouble? <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't trouble. <laughs> it wasn't trouble. Tim, Tim was actually, <laughs> I had to get Tim out of trouble to get him. <laughs> uh, he was kind of like what we would call gateway. Oh. Tim his class at times. So we had to get him back on the straight and narrow. Okay. Uh, Tim was tough. Tim could really shoot it and was really good. Tony obviously was the best all around. Ty could really shoot it. But uh, Ty had that thing he really didn't want to play much defense. So Ty <laughs> was probably the hardest one for me. <laughs> okay, so then right in 89, you come to Clovis West. And so what made you make that move, leaving from going to the Bay Area to now all of a sudden coming into Fresno? Believe it or not, there's a couple reasons. Number one, um, we had four kids at the time. One, two, four, and five. And we had to move to a bigger house. We bought our original house for like 140 at the time. It was about 340. We wanted to get a bigger house, which was going to cost us about 550 to 600,000. And just, we financially just couldn't do it. That was part of it. And the other thing that really got me down there was the football coach and the wrestling coach where I was at Newark Memorial. Um, but the AD job opened and both himself and myself went for the AD job and the football coach. I get along with quite a few people. He was a tough one to get along with. He kind of stabbed me back quite a few times and uh, tried to do all he could to make where the kids wouldn't play football, basketball. So we really didn't get along very well. And the principal called me in and said, just want to let you know, we're going to go with Rich. And I told him right then and there, I said, just so you know, I'm going to, as soon as I can find another job, I'm going to be gone. You know, I did not want to be there with him being the AD. Um, so that was a big part of it. And then a good friend of mine, John Rayner at San Ramon, he knew I was looking. He said, hey, I hear Clovis West. There's a school down in Fresno called Clovis West. Their job's open. Why don't you give it a try? So I gave a call that next day, and I actually talked to Dennis Lindsay, and I still remember this to the day. You know, they already closed the open, they already closed it. And I think I closed on Friday, called on Monday, something like that. And I, and Dennis says, I just want you to know it's closed. Is there any reason why we should even look at you? And off the cuff, I just said, I don't think you're gonna find anybody better. <laughs> you know, and, and if you know Dennis, if you know Dennis Lindsay, now I didn't know Dennis at the time. That's just, you know, that's what Dennis really kind of wanted to hear. So um I went down with my wife, we went down, we checked it out, drove around the neighborhood, got in for um, the first interview, got in for the second interview, third interview, got uh, with the principal. Back then, the interviews were a lot different than they are now. I mean, I had a three-hour, over a three-hour interview with uh, Jerry McDonald, our principal at the time. Uh, came back and he said, let me know in a couple of days. Well, they gave the, they, I didn't get, if you don't, I don't know if you know this, I didn't get the job. They gave it to Del Bayshore. Oh, I did not know that. No, nope. they offered Del Bayshore the job. So Del was contemplating for seven, eight days. And then about, it was a week or 10 days afterwards, they called me back and asked if I was interested, you know, if I would, you know, be interested in it. Because Del turned it down. Yeah, if Del didn't turn it down, you guys would have never heard of me. 
<laughs> that's yeah. So right, because Coach Bay Short, right? He was at Sanger, right? Yep, that was at Bay Short. He had a nice job in the. Uh, they were. In, he was in the computers or whatever, something like that, and he decided not to not to leave it and stay there. So that's yeah. It was in fact the three people were dealt. The three finals were dealt. Bay Short, myself, and Al Biancalana. Oh my goodness! I did, yeah, I, I never knew that, and that's crazy. That's. Yep. That is probably the best decision uh, Dennis Lindsay's ever made as the athletic director at Clovis Unified. Um, no, I, I tell Dennis he had nothing to do with it. Dennis, <laughs> you know, he always says he's hired me. I said, no, you didn't really hire me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want me. So. That's funny. Okay, so, right, when you think about, when people think about basketball in the Central Valley, it's, the first school that pops in is Clovis West. And I remember I grew up playing Little Hoopsters at Clovis West. I remember going to your camps. I still remember I was the hotspot champion in the fifth grade summer camp, like my fifth grade year. Like I remember that. I remember you used to bring, plaque? huh? You used to have your plaque. I'm hundred percent positive. My dad's going to be listening <laughs> to this, that he probably threw it out with a lot of my other stuff, but that's all right. But I do remember that. And then I also remember you would have all the other coaches throughout the Valley um, would be at that camp. And I remember yeah. uh, coach Tesler, when I got it, he like he would always be like, "Oh, here's another Clovis West kid. Oh, another Clovis West kid." And then I remember winning it coming up, and at the time I didn't know where I was gonna go. And I remember looking, asking my parents, I was like, "I think I'm going to Clovis High." And he's like, "Oh, finally, somebody has a shot." But so that's funny. But I'm like, "Did you? Was that your plan when you came into Clovis West to build to build oh, that definitely. program?" Definitely. I when I came there back then. <laughs> And you appreciate this, Chase, because you've gone through this. Their summer program was two nights a week of summer league for five weeks and then go to a team camp like Cuesta for three or four days, and that was it. And there was no before-school workouts. There was no AAU. Um, Steve did start the Little Hoopsters at the time when I took it over. There was 250 kids in it. Um, and it was nice that he started that because we grew from 250 to over 1,100 um, that we had in our pro in the Little Hoopsters program. It got so darn big, we just couldn't have anybody else in there. But I, I knew when I came down there that everything, and, and it was it's exactly what Dennis and Doc told me. He says, we'll give you what it takes to win. Okay, to be, not win, but to be successful, you know, go help those kids. And that's what I really wanted to hear. And it gave me, you know, it gave me that opportunity. No, and I, I remember like everything. I remember it was every summer league, every spring league, right? All the like, like everything was at Clovis West. Mm -hmm. You know, everything, like when you talk about basketball, like for me growing up, I remember it was just Clovis West was the bar. And I also remember like in the, you know, that's when I'm elementary school, mid nineties, you know, I'm going with Tyson Parker, you know, just Nathan Thomas were, going to Clovis West games and right. We're watching Nathan fast and we're watching Clovis West play against Hoover and the Pemberthies or watching the Hoover, Clovis West play against Bullard with the Swills brothers, you know, or you guys would play Washington union with Demetrius Porter for, like, and it was just the atmosphere. Like I never been to an NBA game at the time, but that was like the closest thing, you know, and being so personal, being in the little hoopsters and having maybe Casey Cleveland who just hit a game winning shot or had a big game the night before is now my little hoopsters coach. No, it was it was really neat. Um, I think a lot of it at the time was, I mean, there was good coaches in the air, but I don't think they wanted to work as hard. 
So if we were going to run summer league, was I was going to run it. If we were going to run the spring league, I was going to run it. You know, I, I and it didn't bother me. I'd rather have it at my place. You know, and so for me, doing that, excuse me, was never a problem. Okay, so you, I know you created right. You created the dribble drive and. From what I've kind of been told, it was kind of one of those things because it was, was it, and you can tell me if it's truth or not about, it was kind of more to spread the game out because when you guys are going to state playoffs, right, you, like, you know, a lot of the teams have the bigs and right, you were trying to neutralize the bigs. Is that kind of the backstory behind that or? No, not really. Okay. If you want the real truth. Yes, the real truth. Um, I would go see a different high school, a different coach every year in 87, I saw Bobby Knight. 88, I saw um, uh, Newt Olson. 89, I saw Krzyzewski and Dean Smith and Jimmy Balvano. So every year, I'd see a different coach. Well, one of the years I went, I um, went to see Northern Richardson with his 40 minutes of hell. Because we always pressed, but I didn't think our press was good enough. You know? And so talk with Nolan and just watch what he did. I took some of the things, added some of my own things. And so what I decided to do at that time is to press not only on makes, but to press on misses. Now, when I first started, you go back with Tony, you know, Tony will vouch for this, Tony Amundsen. When I first started coaching, I ran flex a lot. I would run a lot of little different set plays, but run flex mainly. Well, what would happen is once we went to this press, you could have run your half-court offense because it was trap to trap to trap. So we kind of had a space out. And then from there, that kind of taught me, well, think about it. If if we're trying to pressure the heck out of them, how do we elude? How do you space out that pressure to be able to beat it? And that kind of created the whole offense, to be honest with you. Okay. And so what year did you start implementing that at Clovis West? Um, it was it was through a lot of different, I would say probably 96, 97, 98, somewhere in there. When I got Chris Hernandez and Tyrone and Danny Parker and Tyson Parker and Brian Thurman and my son, you know, we had a lot of guards. Yeah. And back then, you know, most offenses back in the 80s and the 90s, they went with two bigs and they had two people inside. And I kind of felt like, you know, I got guys that can really take you to the rack, but I got two guys that most people play inside. Why would we want to jam it up? And then I got a little bit smarter and said, why don't we take, instead of putting the post strong side, let's put on weak side. And it just bit by bit, each year things have changed. And then I just started to figure out things that, you know what, let's get the spacing, let's get the, create the gaps. Let's understand how when one person moves, how the rest of them move and get that mindset of attacking the basket. And then, you know, when I, we did that with the combination of going to threes and layups, you know, we always talk about like threes, love layups, but we got to win by getting to the free throw line. That's when we really started to take off. So it wasn't because Chris Tahowski couldn't, I thought maybe it was just, you, you got enough coaching guys like Chris Tahowski and you're just like, I got to change this whole offense around. No, believe it or not, <laughs> I with Chris with that. Was a, I knew we'd be good. I knew. <laughs> The system would be good when we won when Chris when Chris was the seniors. I thought it was gonna be a down year for us. And they had, you know, Chris and Grady, that group actually ended up winning the section. I have to just make my jabs at Chris. He knows I love him. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> so so coach, how does it go from, you know, this little offense that 
you're running at Clovis West, but how does it then turn into what it is now where it's just widely I, respected all over the place? I think a big part of it. Okay. Again, people, I, I didn't create it for John Calipari at Memphis at the time or Nate Oaks at Alabama right now, or the guy at Oakland. I didn't, I, I just, for me, like, I think like any coach, when the season ended, you know, reflect back what was good, what was, what were things you can work on? And I was, every year, my evaluation was, okay, where can we get two or three more points to help us at the end of the games? And little by little, you know, this came apart. And then obviously, you know, you get Chris and Tyrone, you got some special guards and you spread the floor and you got some guys that can shoot it. You know, it kind of took off. I think a big part where it took off, I mean, we were, obviously, you know, we were successful in high school. Um, when I knew it was going to be pretty successful is when we went to, when I went to junior college, um, my first year there, I had Adam Wall at five, eight, Sal Spinoza at six, one, Tyrone was six, two, Jace was six, two, and I had a kid named Carl Lee at six, five. And I remember Carl Lee was a pretty darn good player. Carl scored like 24 a game two years ago. He's mentioned the year before us. And I would have some coaches come in to, you know, to watch in the preseason. They would all come by and say, dang, your kids play hard. And they go, hey, good luck. You know, you're pretty small. I don't think you guys are going to have a very good year. Basically, they were saying, you know, it's going to be a tough year. And only, the only sophomore, the only kid I'd be turning was Carl Lee. So I had no clue what junior college was going to be like. And then we ended up winning our first game. Then we won the first tournament, the next tournament, the next tournament, the next tournament. Next thing you know, we're 24 and 0. You know, we end up, we're 38 and one. We're playing in the state championship. We end up losing it. You know, four kids went to UNLV, one went to Hawaii. So, I mean, LA City was pretty good then. But that was my first year. And then that's when I kind of figured out, dang, I think this is good. This is going to work. Okay. So let's go back. Let's go back a couple of years. So you have, like, I always tell people, like all the guys I played against, right? I played against your son, Jason Wahlberg, who went to, you know, St. Mary's and the Pepperdine, Tyrone, who went to Arizona State, Chris, who went to Stanford. And then you have, you know, like Nick Debbin, who went to Westmont, Tyson went to Fresno State. And then, you know, like you have, uh, um, oh, I just went, Danny Parker, right? Danny Parker probably could have started for any other team in the league. Danny played at Masters. You know, and so, yeah, and it's just, I'm like, that's all one team. Um, did you know when, especially like Jason's year, like growing up that they were going to be as talented as they were at, through their high school years? No, but I, I tell you what I did figure out. It took me a long time to, to figure this out. Jason's senior year, we had 17 kids on the team. 16 of the 17 I had since first grade. The 17th kid was Tyrone Jackson, who came in seventh grade. So you know it. Imagine yeah. having kids through little hoopsters all the AAU. When I finished it with Chris, Chris played over, I think, 600 some odd games for me. Oh, wow. During his time. When you take spring and you take the summer AAU that we would do all the summer games we would play, you know, then our season and so forth. Um, so what happened, you take that along with, you know, they come in every morning at 630. So you get four years of where they get to work on their shooting. Their hard work um, is really what really made Clovis West. You know, those kids putting that time in, doing everything that you asked them to do, um, with the attitude that they had, 
it was, it was, you know, at the time you don't realize how special you have it until you look later on and you realize, darn, you know, and then, and, but I, you know, I'll give those kids credit. They worked their tail off for that. Coach, how many section titles did you guys win your first time at Clovis West? First time we were in the section championship 11 times and won nine. Wow. Out of 13 years. Okay. So was it, this is my own personal question because this has probably been haunting me for 19 years, going on 20 years here. Um, so right, Chris, Tyrone, your son, Jason, graduate. You come back, you stay at Clovis West one more year. Was that always like, hey, I'm just going to stay? Or were you looking to go coach college? Or was it kind of just like the perfect storm of like city just happened to open up? Like, how does that, what is the reason you stay one more year? Or okay, why did you cost me a Valley Championship coach? Yeah, That's what that, I want to know. Okay, here's <laughs> the truth. Um, at the end of Jason's senior year and Chris's, actually Chris's and Jason's freshman year, I applied for the Fresno city job. Okay. Um, got down to the final three. It was Fred Langley, Denny, I, and myself, and they gave it to Denny, I. Okay. So, you know, I was looking at that time, possibly going, um, and I honestly, I never, my whole goal was always to be a high school coach. I've enjoyed it. And that's why I came back to it. So then after uh, Chris's senior and Jason's senior and Tyrone's senior year, you know, that whole Charlie Rodriguez thing was the year before going through all that. And Fresno City opened up again. And Dr. Fugman um, actually was probably the reason why I stayed, Jason. Okay. Um, it's because he pissed me off so much <laughs> um, on on this Charlie deal, trying to throw the blame at different people and not just realizing what it is, what it was at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just no way I was going to leave those kids after that whole scenario. Okay. So I was going to, uh, so I, just, I didn't even put my name in for the Fresno City job that year. And I don't know if you remember the coach who got it that year, halfway through the season, they found out he had invalid credentials or something, and they let him go, and Peter Sharkey finished it. And then it opened up after that. Now, at that point, Chris, I mean, Tyrone and Jace, they were red, they were uh, red, gray shirting at the time at Fresno City, but they were practicing with us every day over in Clovis West. I was going to send them down to Bobby Burton at West Valley at the for the next year. That's what was the plan. They were going to go down there. I wasn't going to have them go to Fresno City. And uh, then it opened up, and then I decided, hey, why not? You know, I, I know I got a couple kids. You know, I know Chris and Tyrone. I mean, Jason Tyrone are going to be pretty good. I knew Adam Wall was going to come with us, and so forth. So, and I was lucky enough, I got the job, and that's kind of how it happened. Okay, yeah, because I. I'm 100% positive you're not at Clovis West. We win the Valley Championship because I remember we played first time we beat you guys at West. That was, I believe, the first time you guys ever lost a track game, if I am correct. And then the next time we played you was my senior night. You guys went into like, we were expecting a press and you almost like a half court man and you put Nick Debbin on me, who like literally just like face guarded me the whole time, which was the first time that had ever happened. And we were not, we just weren't prepared for that. And then the second time where the Valley championship game, 
we were actually up. I think we were up like by eight late in the third, maybe start of the fourth. And it was the same thing. It was a half court man. And it was literally, I just felt like Nick just followed me wherever we went. And I remember times when I would shoot, even if I missed, if I shot it and whoever's guarding me would get subbed out, even if I missed it. And I, I, I look back at, cause you, we got blown out my junior year. We got blown out by pretty much everyone, but especially you guys, we lose like by 20, 30. And I think that was pretty much everyone else on the track. They would lose to Clovis West by 20, 30. You guys were the bar. And I remember that whole summer that was, you know, like what is Clovis West doing? Try to meet that expectation, meet that intensity. And I remember, you know, my junior year, probably I was like 14, 15, nothing great. But my senior year, I scored seven points in three games. And it wasn't like I was a bad player. I didn't feel like I was a bad player, but like, I just, it was just seemed like did I would never be able to get open. No, honestly, you know, I never go in a game and say, we have to shut this guy down and shut that guy down. My biggest thing is how hard we're going to play. And, you know, <clears throat> I would do, say we're, in preseason, I'm always going to play a certain way. We get to the league, I may make a few changes. But my kids know when it gets to playoffs, I'll do whatever it takes to win. I mean, and my players know I'll play 11-12 in preseason. I'll play 10-11 in the league. We get to the playoffs. If I have to play eight, I'm going to play eight. You know, that's just the way I, how I, I've always coached. I always felt. Well, you uh, sounds like you shut Jason down here. I think he's still a little bitter. <laughs> oh, I'm still bitter. Um, okay, so you go to City and you talk about your guys' team. And so I end up playing at Reedley. And we'll go, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other podcast. Um, but I remember we played against you guys and we played against you guys three times. But I remember right teams then started zoning you guys. Teams would then try to shut you down and try to zone you. And I remember Tyrone would come down and he'd be like at the volleyball line. And like he would look over to be a zone and then like he'd shoot it and maybe he might miss the first one, but then he'd make the second. And then it, like he'd come down and make another one. And then it's just like, all right, like, do we, now I'm looking at our coach. Like, do we go out and guard him now? <laughs> like we just get, you know? And so just the intensity and like, did you, is that when you started, when team started like zoning you and is that when you kind of started realizing like, Oh my goodness, like this is a really special offense. Well, Honestly, the offense changed a little bit with the zone, but I don't think people realize that was not a very good team to zone. And yeah. believe it or not, Chase, we got zoned five and a half games in my four years of junior college. That was it. Five and a half times. And we went 133 and 13 during that stretch. So figure that one out. That's okay, but the, but the five times we got zoned, we had 17, 17, 19, 19, and 23 threes. And you know what it's like with 17 threes yes. going on. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, the last time, the last game we played, okay, uh, the other half was against Porterville. And believe it or not, we were 19 of 31 on threes at halftime. We had 19 threes by halftime. Jeez. So the word got out, don't zone us. Yeah. And I, so, I remember, yeah, you had. Jason in one corner, you had Adam Wall in like the other, you had Tyron like, and it was just, it was literally pick your poison. Yeah. And then I had the kid um, from Clovis East a couple of years later at Adrian Sanchez. So I always went out looking to try and find shooters, you know, that said, Hey, I don't mind coach. I mean, obviously you want to find a guy that can drive and shoot, but if they could drive, they would play for us. If they could shoot, they could play for us. If they can't drive and shoot, then if they played their, 
butts off on defense, they could play for us. So there's always a spot for somebody. And so you finally, you're at City, and then you finally, right, your first year you talked about, you guys go all the way to the state championship, you'd lose, and then a couple years later, you win that championship. Yep. The second year I thought was my best team. Um, I still remember, I love Adam, but he missed a one-on-one. We're up one to American River. American River came down and hit a shot to go up one. We had a chance we missed. I think Jace missed. Another chance we got down three to tie. And uh, Jace had a three in the far corner and he missed. And that I thought was my best team. I really did. Um, then the following year, I didn't think we'd be very good. The next thing you know, it's we were 34-0 undefeated state champions. Uh, just a team that had a lot of different weapons. And we had no superstar. You know, like Tyrone was a superstar. <laughs> he was really good. And then, But that group, we just had all kinds of guys that could. We had 10 guys that could play anytime, anywhere. You know, they would help and do so forth. And then we had, you know, it was a very special group. Now you said you were you spent five years at City College, four four, four years. years at- okay, yeah. now I, I remember going to some of those games. That's the only time I can ever remember where it seemed like City College had just as much attention locally as Fresno State did. I mean, you guys were just on a roll, and you seemed like everybody was paying attention. It was it was really neat. I think one of the things that made it special is the majority of my kids were all you know in town kids. So where you go to a lot of JC games, you might see 50, 70 people, and that might be a good night. You know, we would have 1,600 in there. And it was really kind of neat to have the bleachers out, have them filled, and, you know, just have a lot of people there. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was. Those games, I mean, that gym was always packed. I didn't really enjoy the atmosphere, though, there, Coach, <laughs> playing against you guys. Um, I don't blame you. <laughs> I think the only game that we ever played that was close was the first time we played against you guys. We played you in the Modesto tournament my freshman year. And um, I think that was the only game I had. I remember we did, we, I think we were, it was a single, it was like at halftime, it was like down six or seven. And then you guys made some adjustments. And then I think it was, we ended up losing like by, I think like 15 and all the other games the next time around were blowouts. Um, but you, after City, you go to Pepperdine. Was that like, was that your next goal? Like going to City was it like, all right, I'm, was your plan to be like, hey, I'm just going to be a junior? Because you talked about you just want to be a high school coach. Was it when you were at City, just like, I'm just going to be a junior college coach? I'm going to be at City. Or is it now like, oh, this offense is so successful here at the City ranks. You know, let me see what I can do at the Division One level. It was, um, again, it wasn't like I said, I got to go, whatever. The opportunity opened up. Um, I applied for it, um, went through the interview process. And it was, it, it's, you know, you go back, look at things that could have, should have, would have happened. Um, it was a, a very unique position, very unique job. It was a school that really didn't care much about basketball. Um the priority was not basketball, um, but it was it's a tremendous school. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, some stuff that, you know, when I got the job, and I knew it, it, it wasn't there was anything. Um, I was told, I, you know, we had uh, 12 kids on scholarship coming back. They won seven games. Uh, they weren't very good. Uh, they had one they already signed early. 
And for me, you know, I want to bring a couple of my players. I had Jordan Farley, I had Tyson Parker, I had Deshaun Jackson, I had Clovis West. I want to bring two or three of those guys with me. And they said, you can't let anybody go. You know, so, you know, you, you, when you're a rook and you're just starting and you go from JC, you don't have much power, you can't say much. Um, but in hindsight, that, that really hurt. Because what ended up happening is they never told me they had four kids that already failed two drug tests. And during that summer, and I never even get a chance to work with them because they're not with me during the summer. During the summer, two of them filling up their third drug test. So they were booted from the camp, from the university. So we had two open scholarships just sitting there where I could have had, you know, a couple of those guys. But Pepperdine was, you know, an experience for me. I, you know, I want to see what it was like to try and do it at the next level. I learned an awful lot. Um, God, I learned an awful lot. And it's just, it just, you know, when you go from high school to junior college, it's such a different game. And when you go from junior college to division one, it's another completely game. And then when I went to the NBA, my God, it's totally different <laughs> game. So it's just a great experience to be able to have a chance to see all those. All right. Is it true? I heard like at Pepperdine, you had like Clay Thompson. Was that true? That because wasn't his brother Michael at Pepperdine? Yeah. No. This, but this is the truth. I didn't have Clay. Okay. I like heck with Clay. Um, I had Michael Thompson. I had his brother. I had a kid named Malcolm Thomas, who ended up playing in the pros uh, for several years. I had Paul George signed with us, and then. Um, Believe it or not, the following year, we would add Kawhi Leonard. He was already ready to come. Because his teammate, his uh, AAU guy played for me, Marvin Lee. So Marvin was going to end up bringing him our way. We had Kawhi and, and Paul in our team. Okay. All the- uh, I lost out on Clay. I tried like heck. I had a home <laughs> visit with his dad and mom and, and so forth. And still remember that home visit. But Washington State ended up getting him over us. Like, that's crazy that you would have had Paul George and Kawhi at Pepperdine. Like that's- I'll, give, I'll give you a crazier one, okay? At the time, there was a high school coach in Artesia that wanted to be my grad assistant, my um, uh, D-Ops, D paying 25000 and I wanted to get him because I knew he had a pretty good player on his team. I was a junior. He had a point guard. That was a very good player, a senior. Uh, that was what it came to us right away. And then the second year, and that kid's name was James Harden. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but my AD said, you can't take him. Uh, you're too, you know, you don't have enough people on your staff that know the rules, this and that. And so we ended up losing that kid. And we would we would have James Harden. Oh, my goodness. The woulda, yep. coulda, shouldas. I know. And so I know you had some, you had some health issues, right, that kind of made you have to take a yep. step back and um yeah i did a little boogie boarding for a little bit one time and that kind of i wiped out pretty good and end up i don't know the exact term of it but it, it took a while end up having all the eight fib attacks and basically we're going to go in and take a couple of years later they're going to take a third of my lung out and they found out that my diaphragm was shoved up behind my heart so they basically put Velcro on my diaphragm on my stomach, put it together, sewed it. So my diaphragm doesn't work, but it's at least it's there and not behind my heart. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. at this time, you had already kind of built this relationship with the guy who's at Memphis, correct? At the yeah. time? Yeah, well, remember I told you I'd see a different coach every yeah. year? So 
One of my good friends, in fact, I just got done talking to him about an hour ago is John Welch. John's been in the NBA for many years with UB Brown, with George Carl, um, with Doc Rivers, with a lot of different people. So at the time, he was with UB Brown at Memphis. He said, Vance, come on out. Um, I'll have you, you know, we'll go to have you go to Coach Cal's practice and go to UB's practice. And, uh, you know, UB Brown's as good as they come. Uh, you talk about one of the best minds in, in the game. So I made my trip that year to go there. And John talked to Cal about it. And shoot, that's how our relation started off. I went out there. And right away, John and myself hit it off. We were selling pepper shakers at the restaurant. I spent a week with them. And little by little, you know, John finally decided, hey, I'm going to put this in. He put it in, had some pretty good success. And he got a really great group of kids coming in, a guy named Derek Rose, and, you know, had phenomenal success with it. They would have made the free throws. They would have won a national championship. Yes, they would have. Yes, they would have. So was, was, your, uh, was the dribble drive, was that a part of the reason that you wound up there? Like they, they wanted you to bring you in for that? No, I, I, I didn't go there for John. I mean, I didn't go there because of the dribble drive. I went there just for me to become, to learn more. And I did that for, I think, 18 years. I would see a different Division One coach every year at the start of the season just so I can learn more. So that year, I decided to go see John and Yubi Brown. And then that started our relationship uh, with John and myself. Well, I'm very thankful for that relationship, Coach, because without that, you got me uh, tickets, myself and my family tickets <laughs> to the Kentucky game. So that was a dream come true. So I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> no, John, John's, coach Cal is a great person. Really, really good people. And so you end up going to UMass, right, after Pepperdine? What happened there, um, it was, you know, a low part of my life. The AFib was getting worse and worse. I had uh, two games at AFib during the game. And I went a stretch, I think it was like 21 days, where I don't think I had more two hours sleep. And I, I goofed up. I made a major mistake. Um, I should have just taken personal leave, but I stepped down. Um, at Pepperdine. So I was out for two months and then uh, Coach Cal, uh, John's assistant, Derek Kellogg, got the UMass job and Derek has never been a head coach and he just told Derek it'd probably be wise once he can go get Vance to go with you and help you. So I figured I didn't know what the heck was going wrong with me. I didn't know at the time because UCLA Medical said there, uh, hospital said there was nothing wrong with me. And I'm saying there's something wrong with me. Um, but um, so I figured maybe it was just the stress or whatever. So I, I decided to go with Derek. And that's where, when I went back to Massachusetts, that's where they found out I had the, the, the other problem. So that's almost like a blessing in disguise then. Yeah, you, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because if, you know, if you maybe you don't go there, you don't get to find out your true diagnosis. I would say you're probably very, very correct on that. Okay. So you're at UMass and then what ends up happening after that? Like, where do, where do you, where's your, your next spot? So I'm three years there at UMass. Um, and you got to understand for me at this time now, I am, I don't know, I'm so freaking old, I can't remember, <laughs> but I was never an assistant up to that point. I was 30 some odd years as a head coach. And being an assistant was, you know, I knew what my job was. and I tried to do the best I can. But after, when you have your own 
beliefs and your own feelings and you see what a coach is doing and you don't believe it's right, it's either accept it and be a good soldier or find a different, you know, you know, find a different job. And at the time, what was going on, you know, we would have kids at UMass that would smoke dope on a trip, get caught, and nothing would happen. And I just had a hard time dealing with that. Um, I just had a real, real hard time. We'd have them, they're supposed to be there at six in the morning, run, they wouldn't run, and they still would play. So I think you know me well enough. So my time there was was uh, coming to an end. So I decided, uh, you know, my wife was good enough. She decided to stay back in Massachusetts. I don't think a lot of people know this. I decided to give the NBA a try. And when I went to the NBA my first year, I went to the Denver Nuggets because my buddy John Wells helped me get there with George Carl. Because George flew me out uh, two different weekends also during the time uh, before this to work on the dribble drive and put things in for his, for the Denver Nuggets. So I went out there my first year. Um, it was that, it was the uh, strike season. So I remember starting in November, but I was there that whole first year in a one bedroom apartment, about 20 minutes away, arrow bed. Uh, I bought a little table and two chairs for $45 on Craigslist. I had a cardboard box uh, for my, uh, little lamp next to my bed. I'd get up at 5.30 in the morning, be there by 6, get on by 11, 11.30 every night. Um, in my first year, I didn't get paid a penny. I did that all on my own, just to see if I can get my foot in the door. And my wife was nice enough to work during that time in Massachusetts. She would try and come out once a month to see me, and that's how we did it for the first year. And then after that first year, I got hired for the second year, and then the couple of years at Philly and then at Sacramento. But that's how my start became in the NBA. That's, that's crazy. You hear, you know, you may hear similar stories of guys doing that, taking a grad intern or something when they're, you know, when they're fresh out of college, but you don't hear anybody doing, you know, taking a job for free that, you know, unless they're like 22. <laughs> You're right. And if I didn't have a wife that would let me do that, that never would happen. My kids were out at the time, so it was just Rose and myself. And she gave me that opportunity. But this is something, I, see, for me, the other thing, Jason, I want to do, I was never a big pick and roll fan. I always wanted to know more about the pick and roll, and that's all the NBA does. So I, that was always part of the, one of the reasons I wanted to do it, too. Because George Carl, you're talking about uh, as good of a person that anybody can be. George was fantastic. He used to always call me, hey, high school, what's going on? High school, what's going on? <laughs> That was my nickname was high school. Okay. So kind of going back, like I remember, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier about the three or key and that was always something that was always stressed. And at the time, right. That wasn't analytics really wasn't big in the NBA or big in basketball as, as it is now. And what made you take that model of three or key? And like, and did you know that was, you know, like, cause you were ahead of your time with that three or key model with the analytics of, the percentages and stuff like that? I'll be honest with you. We were playing Hoover and Hoover. It was one of, wasn't one of my better teams. And I think Hoover that year beat us twice, once in league and once in the tournament, but they beat us two times. So now we're in the playoffs. We had to go to Hoover and Hoover at the time with Ron would only play five or six guys. So I told my guys, I said, the only chance we have in both times we lost, I think it was like, 16 or 18 points both times. I said, all we're going to do 
is rack this. If one of you guys take an outside shot, you're coming out. So I told you, come playoffs, I'll do what it takes to win. And at the end of the first half, we racked it and we racked it and we racked it. I think we're up 22 at halftime to a team that we lost both times at their place. We ended up winning in the 20s. And that kind of made me from there think, God, what if we just keep racking it? But you know, you just, that's all you can't do. So then when the people started collapsing, then the three came in and that kind of made me think, well, why not be greedy? Let's every shot we take, we want to try and get three on, whether it's the old fashioned and one or the open three. And that's kind of how the start of the three or key came about. That's really, yeah. Because the one thing I always remember about Clovis West, it didn't matter who it was on that bench, they could all shoot it. It didn't matter who was coming out there, but they could all shoot it. But see, that's deceiving. Everybody thinks they can. But what happens is they're in and they're out. You don't know who they really yeah. are. You know, you know Chris is going to play a 10, Tyrone and Jason, Tyson, those guys are going to play a 10. But those, all those other guys, they know what their role is. And they have to play their role. If they don't play their role, then they get to sit next, get to sit next to me again. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, that's the one thing I've always, the one thing I've always admired about you is just watching you and, and watching your teams is just how every kid knows their role. But most importantly, accepts the role. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, can always create problems is, you know, like, you know, your role, but are you willing to do that role? And, and, you know, in today's era too, is, you know, like parents sometimes aren't happy with the role that their child is, even though their child might be happy with that role. Not even a question. And that's the hardest thing. There's no doubt. Um, I mean, I even sometimes even you know, gets to me now, you got parents, well, I don't know if I want them to go to the Clopas West to play there or whatever. And I'm kind of going, well, I do know a little bit about basketball. I've been around a little bit. I do know probably more college coaches than all the other coaches put together with the contacts. I mean, it's, it's not like that, but it's just, you know, each is to their own. Everybody always thinks it's greener on the other side. And I've, you don't like it, but you just learned that, that that's just, you know, that's, that's the way it is now. So what, okay, so you, you, you know, you were in the NBA, you were doing the NBA thing. What made you decide to come back to Clovis West? Wasn't much of a, well, it was a choice. Um, I got, uh, first time I ever got fired in my life. Um, it was all-star break five years ago, right around this time. And uh, I came back. I had the San Antonio scout. It was a Wednesday. You get it was really kind of neat because they made it, made it the whole week, you know, where before it used to be just like four days. So now we were off on Thursday. got to watch my daughter. Uh, Heather was coaching at the time, watch her game on Friday, flew back home. So I went back on Wednesday. We were meeting with the players at five that night. So that morning at eight, I come in, I'm getting the, the you know, I got to watch five San Antonio Spur games, getting ready for the report. And about four o'clock, George and John and Chad come in and say, Vance, uh, Vladi wants to talk to you. I said, what? I mean, I had no clue what the heck was going on. And um, so they go, seriously? I said, like, yeah, you guys are BS. No, seriously. And I could look at their look on their face. I could say, oh, I could say, oh, poop. I knew something bad was coming. You know, and I've never been in that situation. So I go in Vladi's office. He's there with Peja and Mike Ratz. And they say, hey, Vance, hate to do this, but we got to fire you. I said, why do you have to fire me? Well, 
the owners wanted to send George a message, you know, that this and this and that. And so, you know, we had to pick somebody. It was you. I said, well, why don't you pick Nancy Lieberman? Because Nancy was on the staff. We just hired her that year. And she was, between you and me, she was worthless. Um, that's another story another day. Oh, wow. But, um, no. So, we got up. Said, okay. And that was it. So that happened. Um, very unique. Never been there that way before. So um, we just about a month later, uh, Joe Allo calls me. Uh, Joe's the district AD at the time and goes, hey, do you be interested in coming back to Clovis West? And I thought about it and I said, oh, I don't know. See, the thing is, when you get fired in the NBA, um, what they owe you, they're split up for four years. So I got another year, uh, year left on my contract. So they still owed me that money. But if I went back coaching the NBA, that money would go back to them. Whatever I made from the other team would go to them to cover what my salary was. So I didn't want to give them any money. So I figured, ah, okay. So I talked with Joe and met with Matt Loggins and wanted to. One thing led to another. You know, I have one daughter here in town. Heather's a coach in over Clovis North. She's got three kids. Uh, my son was here at the time. Ian was here. So I figured maybe I'll come back. And that's what kind of came, uh, brought me back. Okay. So who, out of your time coaching the NBA, who would, who, who would be your top three favorite players that you coach? Oh, boy. Um, probably... Number one was, uh, and I'm so happy for him now, is Jeremy Grant. Um, I had Jeremy at Philly, and I thought he was a stud back then. He's having a breakout year this year with Detroit. Um, just a hard worker. Every day you come in there, he'd be in there with his smile, busting his tail. He was really a neat guy. Um, I really enjoyed a kid named Costa Kufis. Costas was out of Ohio State when I had him at Denver. Just a great, great kid. Um, big guy. Third one. God, there's a lot of them. I hate to. I might take another big guy. Timo. Uh, see, believe it or not, I always got, you know, when I was in Denver, I got, I was, I didn't work with the guards. I worked with the bigs. So okay. I had uh, uh, Timothy Mosgoff. Timmy was, Timo was a crack up. He was an absolute crack up. He was one of the funniest guys from, you know, being a Russian, just the way he talked and the way he handled himself. He was an awesome person. That's awesome. So you, you, uh, things go, things go south there in Sacramento and that must've, it was just perfect timing, I guess. When was it coach Orlich that left Clovis West right before then? Yep. Coach Orlich left and coach Orlich was actually the one that uh, followed me. So I left coach Orlich came in for 14 years and then he left and then I, I came back. That's a crazy storyline. That's cool. So what is, so you come in Clovis West, um, what, what do you think was like, what's different, right? Like you've been out of high school basketball for such a long period of time. What was, what, like, what did you realize like what had changed not only basketball here in the central Valley in the Fresno area, but at Clovis West. And, you know, what did you have to do to reestablish that culture that Clovis West had underneath you? Um, the, I think the, the dynamics of the, of the, Clovis West area obviously has changed. 
you know, what Clovis North is now is what Clovis West used to be when I was there. You know, it was changing when I was starting to leave, but it really changed quite a bit. I think the kids are the same. I think they're really good kids. I think they work hard. But I would say the biggest thing that changed, you know, when you're there, you know, I never realized until you leave. And then you come back and you realize it. I knew it would take a couple of years. I thought it would take me three or four years to get the culture changed. Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. Um, I thought my first year I was back was probably as talented of a team I've ever had at Clovis West. But the culture just wasn't there. Um, I had a player, I won't say his name, is about as probably the most talented player I've ever had at Clovis West. But just couldn't do what he's supposed to do, couldn't be on time, couldn't be in a classroom the way he should, you know. And here's a kid who's a four-year varsity player, and I and I screwed up. I never should have started. I didn't start him to the second round of the league. He didn't start the first 20-some-odd, 24 games to try and get him going. And once I started him, I never should have. You know, just things like that, just the culture. You know, when I was there the first time, it was a privilege to be a Clovis West basketball player, to be able to step on the floor. And when I got back, I think a lot of kids just thought it was, hey, I'm here. I'm going to play. It's it's acceptable. So trying to get them to understand when you work really hard, put that time in and how to be respectful and how to be what I call Clovis West basketball player, you know, being a good person in the classroom, a good person representing your, not only your team, but your family and your school. So it, to me, that was a big thing. I know exactly which player you, you're talking about, so I'm not going to name his say any names either um but so you're at clovis west right and the one thing i i i admire and respect the most about like when i look at clovis west and we if i'm coaching against you guys is your assistant your assistant coaches and the former players that you know you have tyrone you just all the different former players harry holmes guys and then even people from your old staff when you know when i played against you in high school those guys are on your staff. Talk about that, just your camaraderie with your staff. Well, it's, and people don't understand that's what makes Clovis West so special. It's not myself, and it, it's a combination of the kids, it's yourself, it's your assistants, it's everything kind of put together. And I think a lot of coaches, a lot of time, forget all the little things that make the program successful. And that's one thing I think I always felt we were pretty good at, is we always understood the little things and try to do the little things. And that was whether you know, with my assistants, how we treated the kids and what we did with them. Um, you know, just, again, having guys, like you said, you know, I have Jason Brandis and I have Jose from the last time. I got uh, Tyrone, Harry, you know, the guys that played for me. It just, you know, John Bliss, who was with me and wanted to come back. John would drive an hour each day from Merced to coach with us for three or four, you know, the last three years. You get people like that, you know, you get a pretty special program. Yeah, I, I also appreciate that because, you know, uh, John was looking for a coach at Buhawk Colony and you recommended me and I, you know, I appreciate that. That was, an, you know, that was a tough decision for me and my family and, you know, just, you know, for you to, to think of me at that time and the high praise you gave me, you know, I truly appreciate that. Not a problem. Now, Coach, you've had, we've talked about it. There's been, that's a long list of star players that have come through you come through the ranks at Clovis West. You got one right now who's pretty darn good. Um, how does he compare to the rest? Talking about Cole. Cole is a very special player, not even a question. He's by far the best shooter I've ever coached at that level. Wow. You know, by far. 
Uh, it's not even close. Uh, my son could shoot it pretty good, but Cole's in a whole different league. Um, the thing that I think makes him so special is I, I just look at what he did last year. You know, he scored over 27 points a game. Everybody knew we were going to him, and he still shot over 44% from the three. Um, phenomenal outside shooter. Now, I won't, I won't say he was the best ever, because I still think, for me, that's still Chris. And the reason I would say it's Chris is that Chris, um, just the complete all-around player. Uh, I like to see Cole be a little bit better on defense. He's going to learn that because he's got a tough, you know, going to Santa Barbara, he's got a tough nose coach. It was, you know, through with Bobby Knight and through with uh, Sean Miller, Arizona, who know, you know, they're going to teach the defense and so forth. But uh, Chris was one that, my God, uh, you know, as a junior, he was benching 325. And just his determination. And Chris had the ability, you know, for him, he could dominate a game scoring 15 points. And not very many people could do that. But Cole, there's nobody, I've never anybody that could shoot like him. Uh, there's some days I look at him and go, wow. I mean, we're on the outside courts right now uh, working out. And you know how tough it is with the wind and the outside courts. And I see him hit six, seven threes in a row out there. It's pretty amazing what he can do. And he's earned it. I mean, he's put a lot of time and he's worked his tail off, you know, becoming the shooter he's become. Yeah, it seems like he really he does have that work ethic and just puts in definitely puts in the time. He has. He he's he's a and he's a really good kid. That's the other thing. And that's the one thing I've been blessed. I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the kids I've had at Clovis West have just been phenomenal kids. So you create right. You guys have the basketball tournament now. Clovis West hosts the basketball tournament. Well, not this year because of everything, but. Is that something like you had another tournament before the BCW is, is your goal to get the tournament now to like what the BCW was, or was that like, is that a lot of work? Cause you used to have the top teams from Southern California, the top teams from Northern California. Is that, or do you like it how it is just because it's more manageable now? Yeah, I like it the way it is now. And there's two reasons for that. One is more manageable. You know, we always want to bring in a couple of good outside teams, whether it's Modesto Christian. We're going to have a team from the city, San Francisco, come in. Uh, there were 29 wins last year, this year. Um, but the old BCW, Jason Brannis, was very important running that and getting the teams. I mean, you look back at when we had Long Beach, uh, we'd have Dominguez, go back to Aya. I mean, we had a lot of special teams in that tournament, and it was awesome. But it was so hard to run. You know, we're using both schools, Buchanan and Clovis West. And then what's going on now is when you try and get the really good teams, they want you to pay for them to come. And I'm, I'm just not going to do that. Did you, back in the BCW days, did you have to pay for them then? Or is that just something, some is that just now? No, some of the teams back then, we would cover some of their hotel. I think, and... Coach Brandis would know more about that. Um, I know, like with Dominguez, we covered theirs. You know, they had Tyson Chandler. We might have covered one or two others. But uh, nowadays, it seems like everybody's got their hand out. And I just, you know, I want to run the tournament. I want to have a good tournament, but I also don't want to deal with getting this guy's room and if they screw up the hotel, this different thing. So we'll probably keep it the way it is right now. Um, I really, you know, especially these last couple of years, especially with Jalen Green being San Joaquin, 
Friday night, we would always try and play San Joaquin in the tournament and see that place packed. It was really kind of neat. There was not a last couple of times Jalen was in there. There was not an empty seat in the house. No, he, he's very special. Okay. So I, I'm trying to think I go back to BCW days. And so I was in that tournament. I got called up for that tournament my sophomore year and then played in my junior senior. And I, my sophomore year, we played skyline opening game was skyline from the Bay area. My junior year was Inglewood. And then my senior year was Crenshaw. Like that was, I remember that tournament just being unbelievable. I remember Tyson Chandler, just all the talent. And it seemed like Clovis West was always in the championship game. Just every year of that tournament. It was amazing teams there. I mean, like you said, you look at, you name those teams that you have there, but there were so many other great teams. It was, it was loaded. You could walk out of that tournament one and three and be a hell of a team. Yeah. Yeah. We just talked to Noel Felix actually. And he was telling us that he was, he played in it uh, back when he was at Inglewood. Yep. Noel did. Yes, he did. So who were some of the best back in the beat that that era of the tournament? Who were some of the best players you got to see come through? Um, well, obviously Tyson Chandler would be the headliner. Um, you had the kid Marcus Williams from Crenshaw. You had um Kurt Snyder who played in the NBA. Uh Kurt was on um down in Chafee. Uh what was the name of that? He was but they had two, uh, Kurt was, ended up going to Reno, then the NBA, then they had a point guard that played at UTEP. Ah, gosh, there's, remember, well, we didn't, I don't think they were in our tournament, but Modesto Christian with Chuck Hayes and Major League, they came to play at our place, but I don't think that was the tournament. But we had some, it was back then, I remember that year where we were end up eighth in the country, and there was eight teams or nine teams from uh, California in the top 25 in the country. It was amazing. There's a lot of names there, Coach, but I didn't hear you say Jason LaFore. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> we did beat Marcus Williams, though, from Crenshaw. We did beat that. I know you did. I know you did. Um, okay, so this would probably be my question. So who would be the five? Uh, we'll just talk, keep it in the central section, but the five best players you, you coached against on opposing teams, would you say? From the central section? Yes. Coach- We'll put Deshaun Stevenson in there. I would put Jalen Green in there. Um, I would say Shannon Swillis was pretty darn good back then, too. I might put Shannon in there. I know I'm forgetting. Uh, I don't know if you remember Johnny Hines. Oh, yes, from Dos Palos. Johnny was a big boy to guard back then. He was tough. Uh, Chris Jeffries, maybe. Chris, yeah, Chris could be there. There's no doubt. Um, trying to think of other years. Trying to think of the players of the year. I would, yeah, probably there. Yeah, that would be a good one. Those would be five pretty darn good ones. Yeah, very talented, very talented, talented players. Definitely. All right, coach. So, uh, what's, you know, what's the plan here? You've, you've got this crazy resume, been all over the country, been in the NBA and you're back at Clovis West. So are we, you know, you stay and put, what's the, what's the plan here? <laughs> I laugh because I was talking to one of my friends today and he's telling me, get the heck out. <laughs> <laughs> 
go go be with Alabama. I don't know if you know Nate Oaks at Alabama is having a very successful year. He is. And, and Nate, when he was a high school coach seven years ago, eight years ago, wrote me and I sent him a bunch of film. And when I went to Pepperdine, he came and watched me at Pepperdine, um, watched practices. And then when I was in the NBA, when we would play Detroit, he, we visited, we talked, we stayed really close. You know, watch his rise has been really neat to see because he uses a lot of dribble drive concepts. So it's just, I don't know. Um, I just, you know, my principal asked me each year, and you know, I just, I go one year at a time. I've been very blessed. You know, this is my 43rd year of coaching and teaching. And I haven't worked a day yet in my life. You know, I've had, I've had a lot of fun. Now, when you look around the central section, obviously a lot has changed over the years, but when you look around most, most of the Valley, there's a lot of dribble drive, con, you know, teams in the Valley using those concepts. Now, how does that make you feel when you, you, you know, you look around, you scout and you see a lot of those, that stuff you created? Well, I feel a lot better if I was still here before, because I knew we had the master of it. When I came back trying to teach this group is, yeah. The more you do, the more you realize, you know, it was ingrained in those kids. I mean, they knew they were getting to the rack. They knew they were getting to the rack. You suck in, they knew they were going to knock that three down. You know, the, you know, nowadays everybody's got different ways. You know, coach, the mid-range is this, the mid-range is that, or I want to do my little floater. And my whole thing comes back, yep, that's fine. The floater, that's a soft shot. You know, I feel, you know. I want them to be able to be strong enough to get to that free throw line, get to the rim and get to the free throw line. That's what I, you know, you look at the great players. You look at them all, they live on that free throw line. They know how to get there. That way, when you have a little slump, it's a lot easier to get out of a slump when you go knock down a couple of free throws. And you know, Jace, you make a layup the next time you shoot a three, I'm much more confident in you. You know, if you miss a couple of shots, then you start to doubt yourself. You know, it's just part of being you know, human, but the good ones, you get to that free, anytime you get yourself easy points, whether it's a steel layup or it's a couple of free throws, that confidence comes back and it's a lot easier to shoot. No, I agree that you always hear coaches will say, you know, if you're missing a couple of shots, you know, get to the free throw line, get, you know, just get that visual of seeing that, ball, you know, that confidence of seeing the ball go through the hoop. Yep. Now we had a big, uh, big announcement today. Uh, you know, COVID times are crazy and the governor's finally going to allow basketball to, to happen. Uh, how quickly are you guys getting going there at West? Well, you know, we've been, we've been working out three times a week. We, you know, we go outside, we're at Todd Beamer park yeah. because we can't do it, uh, at Clovis West and I use my, uh, AU, everybody each team. So we've been doing that. Uh, we've been playing in some different tournaments, doing what we can for the kids. You know, I just felt really bad for, you know, I got, uh, you know, three seniors, uh, two of them that played with me since their freshman year. Then Preston Kilbert is another one who transferred in, but they're all they're four-year varsity players. And they're all of a sudden to, you know, to have your season, season, senior year just kind of crushed on them. So was, today's announcement's great. Now I'm just kind of curious to see how fast it's going to move. Is that that's going to be the key? If they're going to drag their feet to, you know, obviously I'm hoping by Monday we can be in the gym, but I don't know how fast they're going to move. Yeah, and I got to imagine with Cole too, getting this chance to maybe get a little bit of a senior year in. He's 
is he got some he's probably got on the verge of some records yeah he's not going to be able to touch the section record but he's like 70 some odd i think 78 points away i believe from the all-time scoring record of clovis west um and obviously it's going to take him a couple games i would say probably three or four years <laughs> they'll have that um but more importantly just for them you know he's had a lot of accolades i mean you tell me, Jason, tell me any player that you know has been the He was a co-MVP of the league as a freshman, MVP as a sophomore and junior. Do you I, know of any three-time I, MVP of the league in our, in our league? I do not. No. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, he, he's, he's special. There's no doubt. Who holds that rec- the all-time record ref for Clovis West right now? Is it Chris Hernandez? No, Chris was never a big scorer. Chris, like I told you, Chris only averaged 17 points. Him and Tyrone only averaged 17 points each their senior year, but these were so balanced. You had Chris and Tyrone, Jace Kachuda, Nick Devin, Tyson Parker. You know, we had five guys, I think, that were right in that 10 to 17 range. Any there. single one of them could have scored 30, though, <laughs> yeah. whenever they wanted. Terry Reason, Terry Reason, um, in the first couple of years of school was open, was the, is the all-time scorer. He ended up playing at Marquette. Uh, I think he has close to twenty one hundred points. Is wow. Chris Hernandez still the like the assist leader, like the section assist leader? Uh, I know he's the assist leader at our school. Uh, the section, I don't know. Okay. I, I couldn't. You know the way they do assist yeah. now. Who knows? You know, <laughs> yeah. Is it really an assist or? Yeah. No kidding. He was <laughs> the NBA now. The NBA, you get an assist. You pass to a guy. He pump fakes, takes a dribble, pump fakes, shoots it. Nice assist. <laughs> Pretty soon they'll be counting the hockey assist. Yeah. Awesome. Well, coach, we can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. Uh, just good to hear your story. So thank you again for coming on. No problem, guys. Wish you guys the best. Take thank, care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, coach. You got it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Off the Bench Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench.